0: All right, so I was driving home and I am coming west on 121 and I'm taking the off-ramp to go north on the toll road, All right? So it's right there by Ikea. And as you do that big ramp, if you are going east on 121, you can also take a ramp and those two merge into a single lane, All right? Got the picture? Now, what are you supposed to do when you are merging like that? Take turns, right? Kind of do this thing. You go back and forth. So as the lane is closing and it's getting narrower and narrower, this guy goes like this and I start moving into my spot. And the guy behind me decides that it is his spot. Now, his front tires are at my back tires and he begins to speed up. There's no space between me and the car in front of me. And this over here is becoming like that concrete barrier. And I'm going, I can't, and so I speed up a little bit. I'm thinking, no, I'm like already here. Even if, even if I was out of turn, I'm already here. He speeds up and gets to the point where his front is at the doors of my van. And at that point I think, all right, I'm gonna crash, and my kids are in the car, and, and so I kind of just, I speed up, I've got maybe two or three feet And I speed up a little and kind of get over. And finally, he backs off. And when he backs off, he lays on his horn. And not just lays on his horn. I look in the back mirror. And as he's doing this, he's jawing with his doing this. And then both fingers come up. (laughs) And the great part about that is on the back of my van is a gigantic redemption sticker. Thank you, Sandra. And I'm thinking, what does this guy think now? Redemption and Jesus are really rude. But what was I supposed to do? And as we get onto the freeway, I'm thinking, I can't ever really make this right. Not that I think he'd want to, but like we're never gonna have a conversation. It's just going to feel like I cut this guy off, and and that's what he's gonna think. And maybe redemption cut this guy off, and, and maybe he went to our website and now he's gonna listen to this sermon, and I don't know what that's gonna mean. But I can't fix it. How much injustice do we deal with in our lives? from the very small things like somebody who's just like, that was my spot, I don't know what to tell you, but I'm getting the bird, to things that are a little larger. I had a friend of mine at a former church who was sharing with me that he was not able to move up in his company. And he said, and I'm very, very frustrated because it's, it's Jesus' fault not heard that before. He didn't say it meanly. I said, what do you mean it's Jesus's fault? And he said, everybody in my company is backstabbing. They're attacking each other. They're putting each other down, and they're getting promoted for it, and I'm not doing it, and I'm getting nowhere. I've been at this company longer than a lot of these guys that are just going up, but I'm not doing it, and I feel like if I don't do it, I'm going to be stuck here forever. What do we do About injustice in our lives. Because here's the thing that Jesus lets us know He knows it's there. This is not taking Him by surprise. In fact, the the parable that we have comes on the heels of Him talking about coming back, that He is going to come back, but there's a delay. So He comes, He inaugurates the kingdom. Scripture tells us we're right here. The kingdom's in the midst of us. We are living the kingdom. And yet, there's a fullness of the kingdom that is to come when Christ returns. So here we are in this gap. And in this gap, even believers, we're not experiencing constant victory. I mean, anybody in here, like, all you experience is victory? Like, you never have injustice. You never have anything go wrong. It's never, like, something. Because we're in this gap. What do we do? That's what this parable's about. What do we do? Now, I'm gonna give you a number of things this morning. Um, I don't typically do sermons in this way. I basically have like six points. Um, But it's not, I'm not drawing every one of them out. I want to walk you through this parable along with something out of 2 Peter 3 that all touches on this idea. What do we do with injustice in our lives, from the biggest to the smallest. All right. Number one. Never give up praying. That's how this parable starts. And he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. Never give up praying. In the midst of your injustice, in the midst of your struggle, Never give up praying because that is our connection to God. And when you give that up, you are left to your own devices. How many of us run narratives in our minds? I mean, do you ever have something go bad and you start going, oh, let me see how I can make it worse. And it just starts going. And I mean, you come up with, oh, this might happen and that might happen. And we need to stay in contact with God. Never give up praying. Don't lose heart. You know, it reminded me of I got an email from somebody recently They were really struggling. Like they had a number of things going on in their lives. And so they sent this email to me and they they listed some of the things that they were struggling with. What if they never sent it? What if they just kept it all in? Never dealt with it? Never asked anybody to pray for them? Never expressed the struggle they were going through? What does that do to us? Not just the narratives. What does it start building inside of us? The anger, the resentment, all these things. God, don't stop praying. I mean, whatever injustice you're experiencing, the last thing you want to do is cut God off from it. Number one, never stop praying. Number two, he said, in a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. All right, this is a made-up person, by the way. This is a parable. He's not talking about anybody specific, but he wants you to see this characteristic. This judge has no fear of God, so he doesn't make decisions that way, and this judge doesn't really care about people. So whatever decisions he makes, it's for him. Nobody's gonna make him do it. And there was a widow in the city who kept coming to him. Now, the widow in first-century Israel would have had to have somebody go on her behalf. So this is, she has nobody. The fact that she's coming to this thing, she has nobody. And there's no police. Like, there's not somebody in the Jewish society who's, I noticed this crime. Now you get to go to court. No, you had to go to court and prove the crime was happening. She's totally on her own. She's a widow. And here she comes. Give me justice against my adversary. Something has happened to her. If we take the parable at its word, something unjust has happened, and she's asking for justice. And for a while, he refuses and afterwards says to himself, though I don't fear God or respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, she's just wearing me down. And that bothering, there's a couple interpretations of this. One of them is kind of interesting. Um, literally it means something like to blacken the face and it would be a physical kind of pounding thing, um, which you wouldn't think a widow would be pounding at judge. I mean, it, um, however, it might have to do with some form of reputation that would impact the judge's job, that she would get out and spread certain rumors that might impact him. Whatever it is, it's enough for him to finally go All right, I'm going to give her justice. That way she will not beat me down by her continual coming. Here's what Jesus says about that. Verse 6, And the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. All right, here's my second point. Never give up on God. Never give up on praying. Never give up on God. He is the one who can bring justice to any situation you are in, even a situation you cannot control. And he is the one who is bringing justice. The whole point of this parable is to say, yes, he came, and he's going to come again. And we have to recognize that when he comes again, he will bring justice. Nothing hidden will remain hidden. Nothing unjust will remain. Justice will come. Never give up on God. This is something that Peter says, and I think it is so easy for any of us to do this. This is Second Peter chapter 3. Way, way at the end of the uh, Bible there. And in this Bible, it's almost a single page. 2 Peter chapter 3. This is now the second letter, uh, verse 1 in chapter 3. This is now the second letter that I'm writing to you, beloved. In both of them, I'm stirring you up, your sincere mind by way of reminder, that you should remember the predictions of the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord and Savior through your apostles. Knowing this first of all, scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing, following their own sinful desires. They will say, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. For they deliberately overlook this fact, that the heavens existed long ago and the earth was formed out of water and through water by the word of God. And Peter's point is to say this. Yes, it's been a while, and it may continue to be a while. And people are going to go, yeah, I don't think he's coming. Nothing's going to happen. Nothing's going to change. It's been going for 2,000 years. And Peter says they forget. God is the one in the beginning that created. Do you not think he's going to come back for his creation? Don't doubt God. He's coming. He's coming. And that by by these means, the world that then existed was deluged in water and perished. But by the same word, the heavens and earth that now exist are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. He will come back. And, And here's an image that's in my head when I think about this. Because this requires faith. It requires faith. Because... We're in the in-between time. He hasn't come back yet, and at least not for me, maybe for one of you, but he hasn't told me when. So I've got no dates, I've got no timing. I know it's been going for 2,000 years. I don't know if it's another 2,000, so I'm just kind of stuck right here. Anybody done a zip line? All right, so we went on a zip line in Colorado. It was like way, 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 way up in the air. It was awesome. <laughs> but as you're getting strapped in, you've got to get from that side to that side. And there's a certain amount of faith <laughs> to let them let you go that you have to have because you just don't know exactly how long it's going to take. I mean, I watched one lady on a different zipline; very little, young girl, probably shouldn't have been on there. The wind was up too much. She got stuck right in the middle. They had to send somebody out to get her. But like, you kind of have to have a bit of faith to go, I know it's over there. I know it's coming. And I'm willing to take the plunge and go. He is coming back. Don't give up on God. He came here. Heck, he created here. He came here and he is coming back for his people, for his creation. To make a new heavens and a new earth. And all things will be put right. So, never give up praying. Never give up on God. And lastly, I said there were six points. It's because there's three points under this one. Lastly, never give up on faith. Here's how he ends this thing. This is verse 8 of Luke chapter 18. Nevertheless... When the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? That is a very pointed question. That is a question that says, here we are. We're right in this in-between time. We're experiencing injustice over here and injustice over here and pain over here, and, and it doesn't seem to be getting fixed. Well, he, he helped me with that one, but this one's still going. And this one's been going for years, and I don't know that it's going to change. What do I do? Do I give up? Or, as he says, will he find faith on the earth? Will you get on that zip line and go across? And I want to give you three thoughts on why to keep that faith. Right? Now, to do so, I need to set a different image up. Saturday... Um, I went and helped my daughter and their uh, uh, play troupe group uh, build the sets for the coming play. And it's fascinating to be a part of that construction. Because I've only been in the audience and seen the final product. And the final product looks really good. Or at least pretty good. I mean, it was built by dads and eighth graders. But... It looks pretty good, especially when the lights are kind of dimmed, the uh, stuff that's been built has been wrapped in various things to make it look different. You've got distance between you and the stuff that was built. It looks pretty good. Let me tell you, it's not. (laughs) Like, nothing we built was level. Not a single thing. And it was all trial and error. Like, well, let's try hooking these things up here. Well, that, that kind of worked. Here, take this piece and put it on right there. Oh, yeah, oh no, that's sturdy, uh, mostly. As long as they don't jump on it, that should work. I mean, there's gaps. There's like, it's crooked. It's... But then they start putting tape over the holes. They paint stuff, and it looks all great. That is the reality of our world. So much of our world, especially in Frisco, this is a nice area. I mean, we have new beautiful buildings and, like, and stuff being built that will be built forever, it seems like. We have more stores than we know what to do with. We're all beautiful people. I mean, it just, this is a beautiful place. But if you could turn the lights up, get a little bit closer, remove some of the junk that we wrapped our furniture in, you'd start seeing the gaps You'd start seeing that things aren't level. You'd start seeing that what we, ve- what we see with our eyes sometimes, it's not the reality. Faith and God's word are the reality. And let me tell you what that means. Number one, when we experience injustice for the kingdom, Jesus says, we are not suffering for nothing. If you are experiencing injustice and you are serving God in the midst of it, he says, you are not suffering for nothing. Instead, he says this in Matthew 5, you are gaining a reward. That is all faith. But I want you to think about that. How many times have you been trying to do something for the Lord and somebody misread your motive, or somebody accused you of something, or somebody turned their back on you. Jesus says this, your suffering is not for nothing. You are actually gaining a reward in heaven. Those are his words. I'm not real big on preaching rewards, but those are his words, and that is something by faith we can hold on to. This suffering is not for nothing. I'm actually gaining a reward from my God. Number two: when we experience injustice for the kingdom and our king does not immediately return to make it right, we are not suffering for nothing. But our waiting to experience justice is opportunity for more people to come to Christ. Right, this is out of Second Peter. And he says this, this is uh, second again, Second Peter chapter 3, but do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. I want you to think about that. When you are sitting there and you have been judged unfairly and you are actually trying to serve the Lord and you're being judged unfairly, it hurts, you want him to come back, you want him to fix it and he's not, but you can hold on to this. His delay and your suffering are opportunity for more people to come to Christ. And number three, when we experience injustice for the kingdom, we are not suffering for nothing, but we have an opportunity to live in light of our king's coming. Verse 11 in Peter. Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness waiting and hastening the coming of the day of God. He says this, if he's coming, we have an opportunity right now, even in the midst of our injustice, to honor him, to live for him. In fact, I would make this argument. You have a way of honoring the Lord in the midst of an injustice that you don't have when everything's going well. You have a chance to go, God, I am just going to trust and honor you even though I am being falsely accused, even though people are saying things about me that aren't true, even though this happened or that happened, you know, for my friend at that job, what if, and I asked him this question, what if you never get promoted? Will you keep honoring the Lord? Because you're gaining a very different kind of reward by what you're doing. Unfortunately, that, word's not, that reward is not very tangible. It doesn't put money in your pocket. doesn't give you a new car. It takes faith because it's a reward that is waiting for you. Will we give God the opportunity to be honored and glorified in the midst of injustice? So these things we were constructing for the set, the first one we made um, I, I met a guy there. We were working together, and uh, we made a bench, and, and it's real simple construction. Well, we got the bench made, and then we're both looking at it. And we're thinking, this does not look safe. <laughs> we're not sure, and so I sat down on it very, very carefully. Oh, okay, maybe it's all right, and then he said, that's not how kids sit on them. <laughs> so I went, All right. And I mean, it just like does this whole thing. Well, we could have left it. They're kids. They're lighter than I am. It may have been okay. This is what both of us thought. My daughter was there. His daughter was there. At some point coming up, kids are actually going to sit on this thing. We don't want them getting hurt. The future ramifications of what we were doing impacted how we lived now that's what we have the opportunity for he's coming back can we remember that and live in light of it so quick review never give up praying it's our lifeline to god you give up that you give up being able to share and get it out there and trust him with it all these things don't give up praying number 2 never give up on god He can make your injustice right now, and he does sometimes, but he will for sure when Christ returns. Don't give up on that. And finally, never give up on faith, because it's by faith that we see the world the way it actually is. We see the kingdom the way it actually is, which means our suffering is not for nothing. We gain reward when we suffer we get to... Sorry, I forgot my point there for a moment. and had to look down, which is really kind of embarrassing. It's even more so that I'm telling you that as I'm sitting here doing it. Um, It's an opportunity for more people to come to Christ. And number three, it's an opportunity for us to live in light of that and honor God while we experience injustice. Back in 1988... Archbishop Desmond Tutu was fighting apartheid. Anglican archbishop in St. George, Cape Town. And he was fighting apartheid. And one of the things that he did is a bunch of different ministers, it was ecumenical, a bunch of different ministers gathered together at St. George's Cathedral, held a service, and then they did a march. And they were going to march to parliament and kneel before parliament because they just passed a resolution that multiple anti-apartheid groups were not going to be allowed to function anymore. So they were going to march to parliament, kneel before parliament. They had had taken a bunch of names down to say, we, we want to go against this, and they were going to pray. But as they left the church and they started heading towards parliament, 50 police officers blocked their way. So, all of these men, and you got a picture. This is an archbishop in the Anglican church. So, he's wearing like 14 layers of clothing and a giant hat. There's all of these other ministers with him. They just fall to their knees in the street and they start praying, praying the Lord's Prayer Thy kingdom come. And the police begin to open up with water cannons on them. And they just keep praying. Thy kingdom come. And eventually haul them off into vans and, and arrest them. But this is the same guy who one day while preaching in his church, preaching against apartheid, officers entered the church and began to line the walls. Some of them had recorders and note pens to get what he was preaching down to have stuff against him. And as he is preaching, at one point, he stops the sermon. And he begins to look at all the police officers surrounding these walls on the inside of the church. And this is what he says to them. You are powerful. You are very powerful. But you are not God's. And I serve a God who cannot be mocked. So, since you've already lost... I invite you to come and join the winning side today. And his congregation erupted in cheers and dancing and praise of God. Because here's something that this man believed. He served a God who could not be mocked. And no matter how many times he got arrested, he got abused, consistently experienced injustice, He served a God who could not be mocked. And he knew one day Jesus was coming back. We have the same promise. Will there be faith when he returns? Let's pray. Father, sometimes it is hard from the smallest, inconvenient injustices to the most painful times, whether it's a job or a relationship, whatever it may be, God, there's so many times in our lives where it hurts and we just feel like we've been wronged and we feel like there's nothing we can do about it. Lord, as we wait for the coming of our King, will you give us the faith To hold on to the reality of the kingdom. The reality that we are gaining a reward. The reality that this is an opportunity for more to come to faith. And the reality that you and you alone can bring true justice. And we get the privilege of honoring you. Lord, may we be the ones standing in faith. In Jesus' name, amen.